who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin' is available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. This is John Roca, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! Well, we're coming to you live again from my office, and uh, after much finagling with the lights, uh, we are doing a new show. We did our best. I could. I mean, we're jumping around this thing, putting tapes on a bunch of things, but eventually I'm going to get some blinds, and this is going to be better looking in that way, and I'll get better seats for everybody. Maybe we'll get some leather seats. Who knows? Down the road. It all Ooh. depends on how big the Geek Buddies get, and maybe we start a Patreon. Maybe you all contribute a little bit to help us kind of soup up the studio a little bit. We'll see. The seats down- are very comfortable. Oh, if you They're say so. I don't know. My, my girlfriend picked these out. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but she like <laughs> she liked the look of them. So anyway, all right, I'm John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host here in Los Angeles. Uh, I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer, animated TV shows and movies. And I am Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Silicon Valley, 911, and this is going to come out tomorrow, right? 
Uh, yes, it is. Tomorrow night, or tonight, you'll get to see me on the second half of the season premiere of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Boom. Boom. Nice. I've been tweeting about it a lot. You should have a watch-along. Should I? If you had a... If you had a YouTube channel, you could do a watch along of your stuff. People would tune in to watch you watch stuff. Oh boy! So they're seeing me watch it for the first time. I had fifteen hundred people tune in to watch me watch myself in the documentary for the first time. I don't know. I think that's a bad for me. That's a oh bad idea. oh because your face, your face. Yeah. Oh, fair yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, I'm very judgmental. Oh, I got you. The most with myself. Right, right, right. Fair point. Mm. Fair point. <laughs> pretty judgmental period let's just put a period You're at pretty the end of judgy. That. I'm, yeah, yeah i'm not i'm not not doubting that. yeah fair point all right all right uh well i want to thank all of you all for watch who watched our first episode on camera of uh the geek buddies really appreciated that 30 over 1300 of you watched so far as we're recording this hopefully it gets up to 15 maybe even to 2000 that'd be great but uh you know we've been doing the show for quite some time if you can't believe this is our 38th episode it is kind is of it really it's kind of mind-blowing isn't it 38th episode yeah, and the comments thus far have been very nice. Very nice, very positive. You all always say, like, don't read the comments. I'm like, oh, I want to I want to hear the critique. Yeah, and yeah. Thus far, everyone's been very friendly. Well, I don't allow negative comments to stay up, so I oh, always really? take them down. Yeah, I always take them down. If they're negative, if they're constructive. How many do you take down? Maybe a couple. Did you take any down? From this? Yeah. No. No. Are you telling the truth? Yes, yes. <laughs> but every once in a while on the on the uh, podcast stream when people tweet at us, I'll take the negative comment down or something like that. But it's rare. Gotcha. It's only about people like, you know, kind of pushing their agendas about their nerddom. And so, you know, when it goes too far, just take it down. Right. I do it on my no. own channel now. Now I want to see. Okay. Now, now I want to know. Now I want to know. Great. I have to deal with that for a week. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm done. Take him down. Take him down. <laughs> take him down. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm done. I'm good. Big on camera. Ah! Ah! Oh, then I'm out. Yeah, I know. That's what that. I'm that'd saying. be the end of the right, right. video podcast. <laughs> we actually get footage of Mike smashing the camera. <laughs> What's this crap? Uh, <laughs> John, what my... happened to your camera? <laughs> it went viral. Yeah, right. My jinxy uh, HD camera webcam. I'll be getting a better camera down the road, but for now, this is what we're playing with. But uh, camera's very comfortable. One more time. Oh, he is a, is a camera comfortable. <laughs> one more time. Thanks, everybody who watched. Even if you didn't leave a comment, uh, we really appreciated you all watching because I wasn't sure how the response was going to be because, I mean, you know, going on camera, I knew that's the next step for us, but I didn't. I think we all knew it was the next step for us, but I didn't know how it was going to be uh, received, and I can't believe how well it was received. So it's awesome. When all, your very professional taping of the yeah, please let's not the, move the camera over to see that. <laughs> guys, you, <laughs> this is this is what you guys are seeing. If you guys could just see right over here, it's, uh, I'm using every piece of equipment my girlfriend uses for photography to cover up these these uh, these uh, it's a thing uh, of beauty. Walls, it's a thing of beauty. Windows, yeah, yeah, yeah. DIY, DIY, I, DIY. Yeah, I do the best I can. And look, it looks better with Shannon on the right hand side. Although there seems to be more gap here now. Because um, I don't take up as much. Space. Well, yeah, well, I didn't that's where to. the ghost is. Oof. The ghost. You know about the ghost in your apartment. So, anyways, on with the geek news. I'm still getting over the flu, right? <laughs> yeah, <he's> still delirious. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. As Mike was saying, you know how this. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, you know how uh, you don't know how it works. But for those of you coming back to the show, you do know how it works. For those of you who are new, let me tell you. Each one of us presents a geek news item. We talk about it for a little bit, and then we jump into a main topic. And as you saw from the title of this uh, uh, episode, our main topic is going to be. Oscars predictions for this week, and we'll, we'll cover like the big ones, and maybe maybe someone will throw in someone something they want to win in a small in another category. Well, it's not smaller. I don't want to say smaller, but in another category, uh, uh, 
as we go along with the discussion. So, all right, uh, who wants to start us off? I will start first. All right, let's do it. So it was just today, Wednesday, the trailer for the Saw sort of reboot, I yes, guess, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that is starring Chris Rock and actually was a story by Chris Rock. The trailer was released today. So, uh, interesting trailer. Yeah. Um, Chris Rock as an actor, I've never been a big fan of. Um, I think he's an incredible stand-up comedian, and he's been in some films where I think he's very funny. But overall, especially in this, because he's playing, he's playing it very, very serious. Yeah. he's playing a he's playing a police detective uh, who looks like he's going to be sort of at the heart of uh, Jigsaw coming yeah. back. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of this trailer? That is, uh, I, here's what I think of this trailer. I'm not a huge fan of the Saw movies. Okay, yeah. like I think, like I love horror movies, and I feel like Saw was the beginning of this era of just like. Torture porn. Gory torture porn movies, right. and it's never quite been my jam. Um, but this, and maybe because of that, I was like, I saw this trailer. Uh, I didn't even really know that it had come out until we were talking about what we were going to talk about today. So I went and watched it, and I was like, huh. Because it's one of those things that at first you would never even know it was a Saw trailer yeah. until it sort of starts to reveal itself. Also, any movie where Sam Jackson is going to be yelling... Uh, yeah, yeah, right. All right, motherfucker, come on <laughs> to Jigsaw or whoever. Like, I was like, yeah, I go see this. <laughs> like, like it still is gonna. It still looks like it's gonna be in that realm of Saw, so kind of torture porny. Like that's the entire concept of what it is. But I think just it it does seem like it's coming at it from such a different angle that I'm like, eh, go see this. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like it was going back to what the originals were all about. This idea of like the philosophical. Uh, conversation you have with yourself when you're in that moment. What do I do? Do I cut this off or save this other, save myself, or do I die with everyone else? Like, what's the level of pain I can take for my, for in exchange for my life? Yeah. What am I willing to do? And it seems like this is a whole new approach to it. And they're pitching it as not a sequel, but from the book of Saw. So it's like another tale, sort of a pseudo spinoff, I guess that you would say, uh, Saw, because they haven't said whether Jigsaw is going to come back. So that hasn't been confirmed at all. With right. Tobin. We see the doll. Tobin. We do the see the doll. doll. Well, of course, the doll is theirs to use, but yeah. we don't know if Jigsaw himself, Tobin Bell, is coming back to right. it. Um, and I, I would say that this, I mean, remember, James Wan did the first one. So, yes, torture porn is a th- something they've used for, like, the Eli Roth stuff. But I think with James Wan, this was actually an interesting film, the first film, at least, in terms of exploring. And, look, these films make money. That's oh, why yeah. they've done so many of them. They make buku money. But having Chris Rock is an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, we saw with Danny McBride in that Halloween movie. Now, these, it's weird, these comedians sliding into horror. I mean, Jim Carrey's done some horror in the past. Robin Williams certainly did some kind of psychological horror with one-hour photo. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're, comedians do kind of gravitate to seeing what they can do in a horror film. But this, I would have to say this, this is the most confident I've ever seen Chris Rock on screen. It's yeah, it was kind of surprising to see that, to be honest with you. Yeah, he radiates cop, but knowing what a slight guy he is yeah. in real life, I'm like, I wonder what these wide shots are going to look like. He, <laughs> no, you're right. He, I didn't think about right. it until you said that. But it is, it, it's a super, you know, though, I think it's like, I think Chris Rock is also maybe getting to that point uh in his career slash his age where you've been successful enough for a long time. And look, every actor, every every human being has insecurities and every actor, no matter how big you get still has insecurities. But you know, it's sort of getting to that level of that, that uh, William Shatner, that Bill Murray, that, you know, those actors that just get to a point where it's like, they've clearly stopped giving a fuck about insecurities and they're just doing their thing and having a good time with it. And it does seem like maybe, this is the beginning of that Chris Rock, like mm. the later years Chris Rock that we're going to get to see where it's like, oh yeah, I don't care. I'm just doing what I want to do. Yeah. Which yeah. would be cool. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll find out. It is directed by a guy named Darren Lynn uh, Bousman, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it comes out this summer. It comes out in May. Yeah, yeah it's so out soon. They're clearly confident. Yeah, I mean, I like it. It's a, and I like the poster too. The poster is like not your typical saw poster at all. Just like far away, one dude standing outside. I think the cop car. I think it's Chris Rock, and you're just like, what is this all about? I'm really just excited about, like I said, with Sam Jackson. Like, was it Deep Blue Sea? Was that the one he was in? The shark. Yeah, one. yeah, the yeah. shark one. <laughs> like where Sam Jackson has that great speech in Deep Blue Sea, where he says that like, we're not gonna fucking do this shit, and then the shark eats him, and then you have snakes on a plane with motherfucking snakes on a motherfucking plane, and now yeah. we're gonna get like this motherfucking doll. Like I just, I just want like my my yeah. trilogy of Sam Jackson horror movies that I can watch. <laughs> you gotta cut your leg off, I guess. <laughs> you gotta survive this one, motherfucker. All right, we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, what's next? Uh, so that would be me. So speaking oh, of trailers, yeah. uh. I'm going to call this category this week. Let's talk about all the trailers during the Super Bowl, which means we're going to spend most of our time talking about the Marvel Disney Plus series trailer. The sports. All right. Yeah. I went to a Super Bowl party and all I watched was the commercials <laughs> and the halftime show. Uh, most of the guys that I know were like, hey, did you hear that there's that uh, there's that um, Shakira Jennifer Lopez concert today with some things happening around it? <laughs> that's That's how it was for us. <laughs> Um, yeah, so a lot of trailers, uh, you know, we got a, we got another Black Widow trailer that didn't really show a ton new. Yeah. Um, what else did we get? Uh, Invisible Man. We got Invisible Man with, uh, what, the guy, uh, Lee Winnell. Lee Winnell directed. I believe he was actually uh, connected with Saw. Yes, he was. Absolutely. He he wrote him. He wrote him. Yeah. And I, you know, I was on a set visit for Invisible Man. I was down there in Australia for that set visit with Elizabeth Moss and all of them. That was a blast. So I'm looking forward to this one. There was a Bond trailer. There was a Bond trailer. Yeah. There was a what Top th- Gun Maverick trailer. What did you think of the Bond trailer? I loved the Bond trailer. I absolutely did. I mean, it was 30 seconds and got you back in it, but it felt like, woo! And you got a little more of Rami Malik in this thing. You got this like um, idea that there's a secret, that she has this secret, and when he finds out this secret, it's going to destroy I, everything he thinks he has. I said her. this I said this to you guys before, Yeah. and this was my reaction to the Bond trailer. Every time they bring up that she has this secret yeah. and that it's going to change it's going to change everything and it's going to blow bonds worldwide open i am like fuck i have to go back and rewatch these movies i don't remember everything that happened oh my god <laughs> Which is very really? I, get, it, I, I get i i realize that every time i see a bond trailer I, in my mind, I'm like, am I just not excited about this? And I finally realize I just get a little bit of anxiety <laughs> because I don't remember everything. <laughs> so I have to go back and rewatch them so that I'm ready for Mont. All right. I have them all in 4K. You feel free to borrow them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll enjoy and, and I like the Top Gun Maverick trailer. I mean, him flipping upside down. Dude, that's really him in there, too. Yeah. That crazy motherfucker. Yeah. He's so, you want to talk about motherfucker? That guy is crazy. You know, he's flipping. On, I mean, he's just like, and that's exactly what they did in the first Top Gun, right? Remember, they went upside down to keep foreign relations. You know, the bird. Oh, I hate when he does that. Yeah, uh, they were not yeah. going at like miles. No, exactly. That's the thing I, that's insane. I do think, and we've talked about this before, that yeah. like Tom Cruise, by any stretch, is past the age where he should be playing the action heroes that he's playing. Okay. But I feel like his solution to that, as opposed to being like, Okay, you know what? You're right. I'm going to start playing some older roles. I'm going to do my thing. Tom Cruise's response is to go, motherfucker, I'm going to do all my own stunts. Yeah. And everybody goes, I mean, he's really doing it. I yeah. guess he can still, like, it. he is just an anomaly, and I love it. Yeah. Like, yeah. every time that I'm almost like, Tom Cruise shouldn't be doing this. You see him in, in the plane doing something, right. and you're like, well, 
If he can do it, let him do it. <laughs> like, okay, great. Well, another interesting thing about that spot for Top Gun was we hear Miles Teller's character who was playing the son of yes. Bruce, and he's like, my father trusted you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. Yeah. Yeah. We get an idea of like what this relationship is going to be. Yeah. Have they said, is Meg Ryan going to pop up? They haven't said for sure if she's going to pop up. Sorry, Kelly McGillis has said for sure she's not in yeah. this thing. So. She, unequivocally, she <laughs> said she was. Yeah. Very clear. I believe her words were... <laughs> They don't want women who look like my age. <laughs> or she, she basically was like, yeah. was, women who actually look the way women my age look, they don't want them in that movie. <laughs> so well, let's get Jennifer Connelly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you get this whole. So certainly there's going to be a little resentment here from the kid for Maverick, which is kind of weird because like. You know, she never blamed him. She said, even after he died, in she that said, "Moment, right in that moment, she didn't blame Listen. him." She said, yeah, okay. Kids, kids, kids got their own opinions. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So she, she very well may have died, which allowed him to feel what he feels about the situation, and and maybe she died from the depression of having lost him in that car, in that accident. Maybe she even killed herself. We don't know what they're playing with. Making some big leaps. Here. I'm just saying, there's a <laughs> there's a coffin in the trailer. There's a coffin in the trailer. I think it's Iceman, obviously, but there's a coffin in the trailer. Could be anybody in there. Jerry. Um, Okay. Okay. Jerry. Jesus. Um, Jerry. So. George. Marvel Disney Plus. Okay. That was a lot of information in a very short amount of time. Uh, First of all, just props to Marvel and Disney Plus. They've. From from everything I've heard, like they haven't filmed a ton yet. They don't have a ton of ton of stuff, but whatever they have shot already, they took the most of it and just like boom, like yeah. they got it out there. A uh, lot of really interesting things. Um, obviously, uh, you know, seeing seeing Falcon with the shield, awesome. Uh, seeing Zemo, awesome. Um, seeing that Super Bowl game, yeah, yeah. Seeing U.S. agent, seeing U.S. US agent, agent, and kind of coming out in the field and seeing all the dancers or the people around him sort of having these A's, these Avengers A's on their mm. chest. Like, really, really interesting. Like, you know, and in what way is the government or whoever being like, hey, we're your heroes, not this. Like, I, I like everything that it's setting up to be, like, and I had heard this from uh, from some friends a long time ago, that they were really diving into the whole uh, certain people in America don't want a black Captain America. Oh, you know, yeah. and this whole idea. And it just seems like that seems to be the way it's going. Um, but clearly... The Wanda Vision, Wanda Scarlet Witch stuff yeah. was like the money shots in this trailer. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it confirmed what we had been saying and other people had been saying and had already come out, which is this idea that like different eras of sort of television, uh, yeah, you sitcoms, know, like fifties yeah. sitcoms, sixties sitcoms, seventies, eighties, whatever. But like we're going through different eras of sitcoms as Scarlet Witch has kind of like worked through her grief of Vision dying in Infinity War. Um, you see in one of the shots, it's super, super fast, but I had to go back and watch it, where like it's one, it looks like it's like the 80s, con- the 80s the sitcom, the family, the family tie shop yeah. with like the two, she kind of jumps because two pacifiers come out of two uh, cribs. Yeah. So we're kind of like looking like, yes, we are going to get like the twins from yeah. the comics, which leads to uh, the Young Avengers stuff mm-hmm. with Billy and uh, whatever his it's brother's name B. is, the fast one. It's Billy and yeah. It, Wiccan and uh, uh, Speed. Speed. It's yeah. Wicked and Speed, but yeah. I can't remember Speed's real name. But Billy. And also, there's a shot where like you see the refrigerator, and there's like a B yeah. on the refrigerator. So like, looks like Billy. Looks like Wicked is coming into things, which I'm super excited about. Um, and then like a quick shot of Loki there at the end. Like it, it was great. Yeah. 
Um, to add to the Scarlet Witch stuff, it may you know I don't think I've seen this, and maybe I'm wrong. I haven't read enough analysis of this trailer, but for me, it makes sense that she's going through these things. Remember, she's Russian, right? So maybe her exposure to television was the Kovian, it's the Kovian, well, whatever, what have you, <laughs> Eastern European. How about we put it in there? But like her exposure to television is watching those old American shows that would come over. So her connection to relationship and uh, fatherhood and whatever uh, is through maybe seeing that. So, or who knows what they were showing her while she was in the jail cell. Mm. Remember, she's in that cell with her and uh, what's his Quicksilver. face? Quicksilver. Quicksilver, uh, you know, doing whatever. So who knows what kind Pietro. of Pietro. Pietro, right. Who knows what kind of TV programming they were showing her. So all of that is... Clearly family ties in the Brady Bunch. (laughs) When you're torturing somebody with Infinity Stone, you show them family ties in Brady Bunch. That's just what you do. There's a black and white one, so is that Leave it to Beaver? It looked looked like a Lee. Yeah, it looked like... um, Also, we see her in the Scarlet Witch costume. Yeah, man. Like, also, we see her in the Scarlet Witch costume, and Feige has made such a big deal out of we're finally going to see Scarlet Witch. She's stepping into her powers. Like, that, that I think, is the one... um, as much as I'm looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier for sure, I think WandaVision is the one that I am clearly like the most excited about. Yeah, it's going to be the most kooky. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to – yeah, it's really, really out there. So I thought that was a huge win. Like everybody flipped well, – at the party that I was at, everybody flipped out. Everybody yeah. was like screaming and like freaking out about it. So well, Yeah, and they also announced – I think uh, they, they announced the dates for like Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be in August. Yeah. Um, Mandalorian Season 2, October. 2020. And then WandaVision, December. Yeah, right. So for three straight months, you're going to be getting new exclusive Disney Plus. Content. It's what I was saying to somebody. You know, I was talking to somebody who was complaining about Disney Plus. They're like, I like it. It's cool. But once you get past the library content, there's just not enough new stuff for me. And I was like, first of all, there's no getting past that library content. Right. That's like three years of stuff you can watch. Um, but I do think and I said this to them. I was like, I think it's one of those things like it's it's a buildup. Like we're going to get even just past what you were saying, but once you get a little past that, like once they get their footing and stuff just continues to come out, it's just going to be nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and the level with which you saw that they're approaching these uh, shows is a, is a theatrical feature level. I get it. So it looks so well and professionally done that you're just like, yeah, this is not just a TV show. This is literally a film kind of like what we saw in Mandalorian, that whole theatrical approach to a TV show. It'll be interesting to see. I do think, I'm excited about it all. It's, I'm super into it. I can't wait for these shows. Right. I do get a little bit worried at what point Marvel can't sustain what it does. Like having a bunch of TV shows come out on Disney Plus that also tie into the movies, that also tie into this and have everything be connected mm. is like the dream. Like I want that to work. Like and, and I'm I'm hopeful that they can do it. But like when you start to have like this eight episode series and this six episode series and this has to happen here because then this movie's coming out and then this is gonna be this, like at a certain point, that's a lot of juggling. Yeah, it's, at a certain point it's gonna buckle. Yeah. And and I maybe. think that also results like I think this was disproven, but they had said that Hawkeye had been delayed indefinitely. Well, yeah. And there's stuff going on. Yeah, well, there's that, but there's also as they're kind of formatting their their plan. It's like, okay, we don't need Kate Bishop to come in this soon. So why don't uh, we yeah. push this show, kick it down the road a little bit? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, you are right. I said this a long time ago to somebody about Pixar. This is before Cars 2 and Good Dinosaur came out. They were like, they were <laughs> like oh, this was back when, you know, like when, you know, like every Pixar movie was just perfect. Right. And so it was like, are they ever going to fail? And I'm like, well, yeah. Like, they're going to fail. Like, they're going to have a bomb at some point. That's just inevitable. It's just how long will that be and, like, mm. whatever. And will they be able to bounce back from it? And you are right. Marvel, it's the same. 
we're all loving the run of Marvel and I love that we've lived in this era and I love that we made it 10 years and got where we got and I can't wait to see how far we go, but it'll buckle eventually. Yeah. At some point it will buckle. Yeah. Now, did the good dinosaur bomb financially? Like I knew it did critically. I think it did. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like Cars 2 sadly did not bomb financially because it's a Cars movie. Right. I don't think it did as good as they wanted it to do. Good dinosaurs, I think their biggest failure. Yeah. Yeah. Critically and commercially. Like oh across yeah, across the board and creatively. Although it looked great, it was the Good Dinosaur of that. is a beautiful looking movie. Yes. I could probably put Good Dinosaur on and mute it mm-hmm. and have it on in the background, like it's an Apple screensaver, and be like, "Well, that's nice." Right. Well, but like, I nice. can't even watch that movie. But right. knowing Pixar's willingness to take something down before it gets too far down the road, what do you? Because that was the second go at that story, right? It wasn't even. It's not that. So the, here's what happens with animation. Okay. Um, you just reach a point of no return. Like what happened with Good Dinosaur is they kind of like were developing the story and they're trying to figure it out. And they didn't quite have it, and they kept reworking it, and they kept reworking it. And like, it's not just at the script stage. Like, you write a script for an animated movie, but then you put that up on story reels, um, like you know, storyboard the entire thing, and then you just start rewriting the storyboards. Like, you start okay, well, this isn't working, and you rework it, yeah. and rework it. And they did like massive changes, and you just reach a point where you're like, fuck, we just got to start going. Like, we have to start animating. And once you start animating, you're locked in. Right. And I think this was just a thing where they like. They were bound and determined to make the movie, and they really thought they were going to be able to do it. And by the time, like, they knew, especially when that movie was getting animated, they knew that it wasn't great. But once you're animating it, you're like, we've put too much money. Like, we're doing doing this. We're in. I'm sure. Do you think that's why they didn't promote it as much as they had other Pixar films? You know, that was my first set visit was going to that, for that, going to Pixar for Good Dinosaur. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And seeing, like, all, and they were putting so much effort into that film and they treated us like kings while we were there. Like they had a whole, they had a chili cook-off. They had us down there wearing Western gear. It was pretty insane. They had a fire, mini fireplace going and they gave you blankets, like old school blankets, like cowboy blankets. So they give you the vibe. So they really wanted it to work. But I and, and their technology, they were pioneering that technology at that time, that high level of reality animation what do they call that where it's like it's photorealistic photorealism anime they were like developing it and then and like expanding the possibilities of it the servers they had to re they had to re they had to throw out all the old servers and bring in new servers to handle well, the amount of memory that and you using. can see in the movies in the movies post good dinosaur yeah yeah you can see how the technological advancements they made yeah. in good dinosaur yeah. have affected their animation things look so much more i mean we're just it's so photorealistic right. now um so yeah it is what it is yeah. but yeah so good dinosaur whatever right. yeah, there we go uh, all right well let's move on to uh my geek news item and that's from quentin tarantino that's right qt qt uh getting involved here with once upon a time in hollywood he was in doing an interview for the rap and he talked about uh, uh uh rick dalton dicaprio's uh character and he talked about the process and how they like he made uh dicaprio watch these other tv shows these older tv shows what have you and then he talked about what he saw the future or what he what he wanted to do with rick dalton overall and this was his quote he said the whole incident with the flamethrower and the hippies got a lot of play no one quite knows what a big deal that was but it was still a big deal and it's a big deal that he killed him with the flamethrower with the prop from one of his most popular movies so he starts becoming in demand again i mean not in demand like michael sarazen at that time was in demand but he's got some publicity and all of a sudden the 14 
Fists of McCluskey is playing more on Channel 5 during Combat Week and stuff. And so he gets offered a couple of features, low-budget ones, but studio ones. But the thing is, on the episodic TV circuit, he's a bigger name now. He's not quite Darren McGavin. What a reference, Darren McGavin. Would get paid the highest you'd get paid as a guest star back in that time. But Rick's about where John Saxon was. So he's getting a good he's getting good money, doing the best shows, and the episodes are built around him. So as opposed to Land of the Giants and Bingo Martin, now he's the bad guy in Mission Impossible. And when he does Vince Edwards' show, Matt Lincoln, or a Glenn Ford show, Cades, Cades County, and that's a big deal because he did Hellfire, Texas with Glenn Ford, and they didn't really get along. But now they bury the hatchet, they make a big deal about the two guys doing it together, and then he does a couple of Paul Wenko's TV movies, and you know he's doing okay. So this is an incredible, well-thought-out backstory, or future story, for your character <laughs> after the film ends. So this is the kind of level of preparation he had. And you know, and there were all these rumors, and I think in, in interviews, sorry, in interviews he'd given, he said he, he was like considering shooting six episodes of a TV show. Because he wrote them. Yep. In preparation for mm-hmm. writing the film, like, well, this is what an episode of uh, Bounty Law would have right, looked like, and right. he actually wrote a few. Yeah. I, I find this to be so fascinating, because I know, you know, look, Tarantino rightfully gets knocks for some of the ways he handled things with Uma Thurman and, on uh, on uh, Kill Bill, uh, and, so, and using the N-word a lot in his movies, but by the same token, he writes some of the most incredibly well-written scenes you'll ever see on film, certainly some of the most memorable films, and hey, this one got nominated for Best Picture again, so... That, those kinds of things that he is certainly the Academy's taste and certainly a lot of fans' tastes. But this is the kind of level of preparation that people talk about when they talk about this guy and why he's an auteur. It's pretty incredible. Okay, cool. Counterpoint. Okay. Um, he Basically, what you just read is the Quentin Tarantino version of a J.J. Abrams Star Wars move. Like one of the big things that a lot of people say about well, just because like one of the I gotta hear this one of the thing for some people coming out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was this idea like okay this was all great but what did it really mean oh oof you almost died wow perfect timing all right hold on the ghost the perfect timing the ghost the ghost apparently is a Tarantino fan (laughs) um. No, so I'm just saying that like there was, the, there was a lot of questions yep. about what was the point of the movie, what did this mean for Rick, what was all this about, and so kind of coming out after the fact and saying, well, here's what happened to Rick, yeah, is like that's great, but it's just a continuation of this thing where it's like if you, if this is important for your character, mm-hmm. if this is important for the audience to know in your character's arc, shouldn't it be in the movie? Oh, I don't know. No, I think people like to go the extra mile in creating these things and giving them backstories and past stories and future stories because it's just kind of things that you build into the situation. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it shows the, an incredible amount of, um, I don't know, dedication, intelligence, thought process, whatever. And what are you doing creating this? Handyman McClung is fixing is, the... Can he, can he reach the top of this? We're going to find out. Okay. It's just a question. It's just a question. Shannon, Shannon is fixing things that are Shannon's, very, very high. Yeah. Property Brothers over here is trying to do things. <laughs> Except he's going to need his twin on his shoulders to reach up top there. Oh, oh, really? With your fingers, just rip it. I'm trying. Do you want me to rip it? Yes. This is on camera. I love it. No, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. I don't know what the problem is. My God. <laughs> That's what happens when you lift weights. Uh, anyway. You've been counting money all your life. You got you got soft hands there, Hooper. So, anyways, I, I don't know. I just think that like you think it's too far. Do you think if you were an actor on Quarantine set and he came to you with all that stuff, you'd be like, dude, I don't need all that? No, 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 no. I think that's fine. Okay. I think the idea that he gave all that stuff that he did all. I think the idea that he had all the preparation was fine. Mm-hmm. I think the part that I get a lot mildly annoyed by is this whole idea of like, oh, and then here's what happened to Rick's career afterwards. 
Right. So it's okay. like, well, yeah, but like, I don't think we need, I don't, didn't need to know all of that, but mm. I don't know. It's weird. You think he's showing off? I don't think he's showing off. I just think that he's, I think he made a really big movie and he probably had to cut it down dramatically and it was oh, already yeah. super Fair long. Point. So I get it. And again, like I said, when we reviewed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't think I'm as good a storyteller as Quentin Tarantino. I think he's pretty fantastic and amazing and he does what he wants to do. Um, but I just think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood leaves me a little bit wanting in the this was a really great adventure and I loved every single sequence, but what did it all add up to? And some of the stuff that you just said, yeah. I was like, Oh, well that would have added up to more. Had that, had I had that oh, been a part of the story, Interesting, but it's okay. not part of the story when it's literally not part of the story. Right. So when the director comes out later and says, yeah, well, here's what happened to these characters. It's like, I don't know. It but, just but couldn't you do that in an interview though? Like they're like, "Hey, what happened to Rick?" Yeah, 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 yeah. He had sort of developed this whole I history post the story. Like the movie ended the way the movie was supposed to end. I okay. The J.J. Abrams thing is probably a little bit extreme. I just think that yeah, somebody asked him what happened to Rick Dalton. Yeah. Um, but I think that I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Like, I guess it's just it's subjective because for me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I get real closure on wait, what's Brad Pitt's character's name? Cliff Booth. Cliff Booth. I don't uh, on both Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. I don't get real a real closure on their relationship and what all of these events meant for their relationship or what it means for either of their futures. So I enjoyed everything I watched, but we get to the end and I'm like, okay, I'm glad that he got to go up to the house. And like that's just me. I'm not saying this is not me saying that this is absolutely incorrect because so many people love the movie. So this is clearly just a subjective thing. But I feel like the end of the movie is the weakest part to me. I'm kind of like, okay, that was a lot of cool stuff that happened. But mm. I guess I disagree because basically what we saw with the history of Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, as long as Rick is okay, Cliff is okay. And right. so in the last, you know, however many years since Bounty Law had been canceled, the fact that Rick was only doing uh, guest spots and Cliff would work when he could get him on the set, the fact that Rick said at the beginning, if I can just if I could just get into one of those parties with Polanski, everything would be okay. Right. And so we see, okay, now he's made friends with Sharon Tate. He, there's now going to be that line of communication. And so Rick's going to be okay, which means Cliff's going to be okay. I mean, that's fair. I think mm. that I think that is absolutely the intention. Yeah. I think what you are saying is exactly what Quentin Tarantino wanted that feeling to be. Right. I just didn't quite have that feeling. I get it. Like, logically, I understand that. Yeah. I think just it didn't pack that emotional punch to me. Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. All right. There's no pleasing some people. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's take a quick break here for those of you who are listening to us on the audio version of the Geek Buddies uh, to listen to our sponsors. And for those who are watching us, this is what we do. All right. And we're back. Uh we're going to talk about the Oscars in our main topic here. It's coming up this Sunday. I kind of did a mini kickoff week for Outlaw Nation. You know, I'm still figuring the YouTube channel out and things of that nature, but I was able to get the old episodes of Deep Cut, the Deep Cut back. And so the people I not, who I interviewed who were nominated for Oscars, who I thought or who I thought should have been nominated for Oscars, I'm repurposing those uh, interviews and putting them back out on the channel. So please look for those up on the YouTube channel there. Um, but for uh, us, we should talk about our predictions. I mean, all of yeah. us are big Oscar watchers. We've had many 
many parties at your apartment over the I know. years? And we watching? don't get to this weekend. I'm really bummed. Yeah, what's the deal? Are you going out of town? I have to go out of town for work, and I leave Sunday morning at 6. So I will be – and I think I have a dinner as soon as I get to Miami. I think I basically don't get – I might not oh, get to watch the it? Oscars, wow. which I'm really upset about. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, okay. All right. I have to work. All right. Another evening with me and my girlfriend watching something she doesn't want to watch. All right. <laughs> Welcome to my life. It's like the Super Bowl. We got a fight over the Super Bowl because she was just like in here in the office and she felt like she was quarantined the whole time because I was watching it out there. I mean. All right. Anyway, um, so <laughs> let's, let's have a conversation about the Oscars uh, and let's look at the categories. Which one do you guys want to talk about first? I mean, should we go top down or? Oh, uh, yeah. All right. I would say let's go top down. Okay. All right. So who, picture. Okay, let's talk about it. Well, do we want to go through the nominees? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's go through the nominees and let's bring them up now. It's a uh, 1917 Ford versus Ferrari Joker with 11 nominations. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. The Irishman, Little Women, which I was very happy to see, Jojo Rabbit, and Marriage Story. All right. Should we do prediction and what we think should win? Sure. All right. Uh, prediction, I think it might be Parasite. Wow. I think Parasite. You think so? I do. I do. I think mm-hmm. The Shine is starting to kind of fall off of 1917 a little bit. Okay. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a lot of people think the way you think is just kind of like, ah, it was, it was a really, it was an entertaining Tarantino movie. I think Parasite is going to kind of come out from behind and win. And I don't think a, a foreign language film... Did Life is Beautiful win the year that year that it was nominated? Oh, that's a good Roberto question. I know he won uh, Best Actor. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, good question. I'll look it up. See, we'll I don't talk know about if, a, if a foreign language film has ever won Best Picture, but it seems like to me the way that people are starting to discover Parasite, mm. I, I think Parasite is going to win. Okay. What I would like to win, which won't, is Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit was easily one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, of the nominees, um, it, it's certainly number one. I thought the the direction by Taika Waititi was so inventive. Mm. Um, all the performances were fantastic, and just it just had a, a, a sweetness while also talking about a really uh, crappy, uncomfortable time in history. Okay, um, I would like. If I could have anything, I also would want Jojo Rabbit to win. I don't think it's going to, uh, but I, everything Shannon just said, just double that. Like I, I think it was probably one of the most affecting movies for mm-hmm. me this year. Uh, thought it was funny and weird and surprisingly emotional um, and just great across the board. I yep. would also love it if Parasite won both foreign fi- foreign picture or international picture and best picture. I think it's like it's never happened before and if ever there was a movie that deserved it, it's a thousand percent parasite. I think Once Upon a Time is gonna win. I think Once wow. Upon I think I think I think Hollywood really loves a movie about Hollywood. Mm. Uh and I kinda just wow. have this feeling that we may get into like a once upon a time in Hollywood sweep of a bunch of categories. Interesting. Um I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll sort of, I'll revise this throughout the evening if I do get to watch the Oscars, because when you start to see other categories, it's like if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood starts to win even some of the smaller awards that it's up for, you're just going to be like, okay, that's what tonight is. This is the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood night. Um, that's what we're doing. That's All what we're right. doing. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I kind of have a feeling that it's going to, the people are just going to be like, yeah, this is Tarantino's big thing, and he did this thing, and it's mm. awesome. And, and like, look, from a technical achievement, the way he kind of redid Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. To make it look le- specifically, accurately, exactly like the Los Angeles uh, of back in the day. It is an amazing achievement. I Like I said a few minutes ago, I enjoy every single sequence in that movie. I think mm. it's all amazingly well done. So even though it's not my favorite, 
I think that there's enough going for it that it could end up being one of those sweeps. All right. Yeah. Uh, I still think 1917 will win. I think it's an old school film. It's a war film. Um, and the way it's done, I really appreciate what it what it does. I hear the parasite rumbling coming, of course, but we don't know. But the votes are already in, so I mean, just because something starts to win now and all these things doesn't necessarily mean that's going to you know affect the voters because the votes have already gone in. So uh, that's the way I look at it. This and plus, I do think as as uh, Bong Joon Ho said. I do think they the Oscars can be a bit provincial. They can be a bit like, you know, American films only for the bigger picture, you know, and that's kind of how they look at it. What did you call them? A local awards? Yeah, a local, local awards. Award <laughs> <show. laughs> oh, it doesn't really matter. The Oscars are just oh, a local awards show. It. Which which goes to your point. If, the, if, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wins, it's a local film, essentially about the local city that you're putting it in. Yeah, and I do th- look, I do think that there is this thinking, which I think is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it almost is like we should get rid of the foreign film category completely and just be like films or films, but like, mm. uh, but that, that, that they're going to give parasite that award. Of course. Like it's a lock to that's get a that. Lock it, that that's yeah. definitely happening. And like, well, once it got that, then we're not going to also give it this. Right. It's the old, it's the same issue that people, uh, in animation have right now, because like back in the day, beauty and the beast was the first animated movie ever to get nominated for best picture. Right. Yeah. And soon after, they created the best animated film category. But now animated films are stuck in this place where we're all going to get nominated here. But because we have this category, we're not going to get nominated up here. We're not getting invited to the big table. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, do I think the the shock, I think, will be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think, for me. But that's also the underdog that I think will might also surprise people if it does win i would be very very surprised if parasite wins not because it doesn't deserve it lord god it deserves it um but if it does win it'll be like spider-verse where people like started talking about it but they're like no way it's going to overcome disney and then eventually it was a groundswell yeah that uh, that uh, that took it to a to the oscar i think the same thing might happen if parasite wins it's been this groundswell since uh uh it came out of people slowly murmuring that this is a best picture and mm-hmm. talking to other people people going i still see people tweeting finally saw parasite Everything you've heard is true. Yeah. Everything you've yeah. heard about it is true. So people are still discovering the movie, which doesn't bode well to me for voters. And there's there's an article that came out like 15 people didn't vote for Parasite because they didn't watch it because they didn't want to read subtitles. And so if these other people voting, this is the thing that – and I think this is going to kill the Oscars. I really believe – down the road, if something doesn't change, it doesn't. I don't give a shit about ratings or, you know, nominating more populist films. It's not that. It's the voting body. If you don't change the voting body and then out them, and I don't mean by name, I mean numbers, and show how they're voting, there's no way this survives. You tell me you want scrutiny from the United States government from your president, but you don't want scrutiny from, or you don't want transparency from the from the the fucking you know academy. Give me a break. The government can hide shit, and you want that to be transparent. The academy should not be hiding anything. For God's sakes, it's right. it's, a, it's an award show for movies. It's yes, absolutely deserves all the praise it's supposed to get. It is a traditional thing. It is a thing to be aspired to. But by the same token, you have to reveal what's happening. I think the public has changed, and they want to know. They, they no longer want the mystery. They want to know, and it's you should tell them. So to be clear, you think 1917 yes. to win, and do you want 1917 to win? I do. Okay. Okay. As much as I love Parasite, I just think 1917 is one of the most incredible films ever made. And don't give me this gimmick shit. And don't give me this video game shit. Like nothing drives I me more totally nuts. Give you the video game shit. That's <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. Game. The 
bunch of bullshit. It's a video game. Well, Joker's <laughs> about a comic book character. I'm not saying. What are we talking bad, about? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Parasite has a <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> also a gimmick. Also, every single nominated film has some some kind of gimmick. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Little Women saying, has the time jump gimmick. <laughs> you follow these characters. You get information like a video game that leads you into to an action scene. Then but every you, movie is a video you game. Deal with, you deal with, no, but just the fact that they're following, you deal with I, the ramifications, you go on to the next action scene. Am I not following Rick Dalton through the whole movie? No, no, no. No, what he is saying, which I which you're taking as a negative, but yeah. it's not, is that there's never been a movie. So this is what I'll say I'll say what he's saying in a different way that is not okay. gonna set you off. <laughs> I'm just mad that people are trying to to denigrate. I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not. I think. I thought. No, people are. I think. I think 1917. I think 1917 is great. I. I love. I loved the movie. I thought it was great. But I do think that because it's the because they made it look like one long shot. Yeah. And because you are literally following the characters the entire time. There's Mm -hmm. no side scenes where we're seeing what's happening over here. There's no cuts to this. There's no cuts back to this. There's no cuts back home to see or a flashback. Like you are in it and you're with them. Yeah. And all the information that you get is information that is given to them. Right. And the closest thing to compare that to from a storytelling standpoint is actually the cutscenes of a video game. Mm-hmm. Because a video game is also a first-person journey where you are with the characters and you are given information as they are getting it. You mm-hmm. don't get outside information and you follow them into a big sequence where some shit happens. Right. And then you move to here. And then there's a big sequence where some shit happens. So I do think it is a good example. I think you're using it in a positive. I think a lot of people use it as a negative yeah. to say it's not that great. Every – Yeah. Basically that. Because it's frustrating. Because it's frustrating. Because I think, yes, it is. But it feels like you're with them on this journey. Yeah. So that's where I, I – it's not a fucking video game where someone pops out and goes a bubble. And then they only say the same thing over and over again. That's all I can say. No. Welcome to Jumanji. That's, that's, that doesn't that happen in a long time. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It isn't like that. <laughs> Some people do video games. It drives me out of my freaking mind. Anyway. Anyway, that being said, yeah, I hope 1917 wins. I think it absolutely deserves it. Um, uh, and it feels like an Academy Best Picture type winner. Like It, it definitely feels it, like yes, it. Yes, it yeah. feels like that. So we'll see. All right, uh, let's move on. We, we, only have, we only have 20 minutes left, so let's move on. I was going to say, if we're going to spend this much time on every category, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> Three hours later. So best cinematography. <laughs> okay. All right, best director uh, uh, is... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, sorry. I should have had this up all, all, already. Uh, my apologies to everybody who was watching or listening to us. Uh, where are the predictions? Do you guys know? God damn it, I can't find it. Martin Scorsese. Yes. Bong Joon-ho. Yes, Quentin Tarantino, uh, Sam Mendes, and who is the fifth? We know it's not Greta Gerwig. It's not it's Greta. Not Greta, Greta oh, here Gerwig. we go. I found him. Sorry about that. Oh, guys. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi is nominated for. Yeah, yeah. Quentin Tarantino, Todd Phillips, Bong Joon Ho, Martin Scorsese, Sam Mendes. Didn't I say that? He did. You didn't say, but Taika Waititi is not nominated. He Taika Waititi is nominated. Not not for best director. What? Quentin Tarantino. Oh, Todd Phillips. Todd yes, Phillips. Todd Phillips. All right, I was mistaken. Totally um, all right, continents. Yeah. So I. Think Quentin Tarantino is going to win? Wow! I would like Bong Joon Ho to win. I think that's where they're going to give it to him. You think? I think Bong Joon Ho will win Best Director, but he will not win Best Picture. That's what I think. They'll give him Best Foreign Language. They'll give him Best Director, and then the uproar will be out of this world about it. But that's what I think. I'm going to flip it. Okay. I think uh, Sam Mendes is going to win. Wow! But I think. I agree. I think Bong Joon Ho should win. Should win. Yeah. Right. right. So you th- so you think Bong Joon Ho will win, but who do you want to win? 
Todd Phillips. Really? Yeah. I think Joker's incredible. And I don't know. I thought you just said it was just a comic book movie to make <laughs> your point about just, 1917. That's a gimmick in a way. It's going to make up your mind here. It's fake news. Uh, no, from my opinion, I just think just the trailer itself should have won some kind of Oscar. It is so well done to me, the film, well directed. It brings you into the gritty and the griminess of the city in a way that we haven't seen since the 70s. And some of our greatest directors, our most revered directors, cut their bones making films yeah. about the city it's, in the 70s. It's hard to make a carbon copy of a Martin Scorsese oh. film. <laughs> Talk about a gimmick. Uh, but either way, I just think it's I think it's incredibly well done. The way he uses the God's eye views, the cinematography of the film, the uh, uh, the tension that he builds throughout the movie. We don't know what's real and what isn't all the way up until the end. And we don't know if he what happens to him really happens to him or not. And I love that. And right. I think that's one of the greatest things about the film. I, I don't disagree with most of what you said. I actually really like Joker. Mm. I think that I just... I think I really like Joker and I really don't like Todd Phillips. Oh yeah, for his comments. So it's hard for me to well, be like I want I, it, which is well, which is not fair in this uh, you know. No, no, no. I know. I get it. It's not Aaron fair. Just said some stuff. Yeah. No, like I I'm not saying it's valid, but I just think I'm having like a very like anti Todd Phillips moment that's in my fair. life right now. I think a lot of people are I think that's why he's not winning. Yeah. yeah. I think so. If he hadn't if he had just shut his damn mouth and let this thing roll, who knows how it would have turned out. Yeah, I I don't I, I can't see him winning. Also, yeah. who I really think should win who wasn't nominated was Taika Waititi. I think that's fair. I think this should have been Jojo Rabbit's. This should have been a Jojo Rabbit's Oscar. Okay, uh, best actor. I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to win. Okay, we've got uh, Jonathan Price, Adam Driver, and Tony Banderas for Pain and Glory. Shout out Joaquin Phoenix and Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right. Um, I also think Joaquin Phoenix will yeah. win, uh, and and deservedly so. Oh, it's, yeah. it, it's an incredible performance. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the Two Popes. Jonathan Price is that is a fantastic performance the chemistry that he and anthony hopkins have together i think was super enjoyable to watch i've had problems with that movie i enjoyed it i had problems with his nomination i didn't have problems with the movie the movie is my dinner with andre at the vatican basically and right. so i don't have a problem with that because they're really it's a well-written film fantastically acted film but for like 15 20 minutes of the movie or maybe 10 15 minutes of the movie jonathan price's character is somebody else is another actor so to me, I'm like, why are you nominated when there's no younger Hopkins, I think, in the whole film? Right. So why do you get another actor to carry your load in the, the younger scenes and then you come in and do what you do? And of course, he's a, he's a majority. He's, he's in more, most of the film. But to me, it's a weird nomination. I think Taron Egerton should have been nominated in this slot. I think, okay. there's, I think there's maybe two other actors I would have thrown into this slot over uh, Jonathan Price. I can't think of him right now, but I'm sure I could look up and find two other actors that I think should have been nominated. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mind. mean, I think this, to me, this category really comes down to this year, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, agreed. Because I do think that if we get into this, like, once upon a time in Hollywood sweep, it might sweep it up and Leonardo will get it. But I do think that, like, even if you want to hate Joaquin Phoenix and you want to hate Joker because it's a comic book movie and everything else, you still have to be like, that, that was a fucking performance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just so good. You know what gets fucked over is uh, Adam Driver. Th that was an incredible yeah. performance in Marriage Story, and he ain't going to see one award for that. Thing. You know what, though? Adam Driver's going to be okay. He's one of the only things that came out of the whole new Star Wars trilogy kind of unscathed. How ironic. Like, like everybody's like, look, whether you, have, whether you like Rise of Skywalker or hate Rise of Skywalker, everybody likes Kylo, ben, Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. Yeah. Like, like, he's great. Yeah. He was great in Marriage Story. He was yeah. great on Saturday Night Live. Like, oh my Adam God. Driver's just great. Yeah. So... 
I agree with you that he's kind of getting the short end of the yeah. stick. It's all, it always sucks because it's like there's the thing that's shitty about the Oscars is you have all these amazing performances and you just have that one performance like a Joaquin Phoenix that's showier or yep. bigger or more over the top or whatever and you're like, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's transformative. He was transformative in that film. Yeah, what he did. Well, and one actor that was not nominated, which yeah. we both really enjoyed. I don't know if you saw the movie Paul Walter Hauser for oh, Richard Jewell. Absolutely should have. Which been I did not see. Which I did not see. Oh, I'd have taken that over over Pope uh, Jonathan Price the Pope in any day. Any day. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to say, Mike? You? Uh, no, I'm good. Actress. Okay. Yeah, best actress. We have uh, uh, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Renee Zellweger for Judy, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, and Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Uh, I mean, based on how everything has been going, I think uh, Renee Zellweger's got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm really just excited for another super weird speech, like at the Golden Globes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Like she's got. She was like, there was a weird speech. What happened? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know because like when she was first coming out with Chicago, and she didn't. She almost, she became like a pseudo Winona Ryder now. Like these kind of weird kind of comments and random moments. This whole thing of push. Like I read a fantastic interview with her in Vulture. She is like letting her freak flag fly in the best way possible in that interview. And it's like a. It's like I don't know eight thousand word interview. It's like insane. what? Like what does she say? Like all the stuff that she talks about her life and how she does things and he describes what she's doing when she, when they're around and it, none of it is like negative right it's just full on her being her so i think she's more intelligent what she can work with and what she can't work with and she's very clear about i think she got she she, you know i think going through the hollywood ringer is yeah it's it's like everybody's dream to be like a big famous movie star and then anyone who makes it to being a big famous movie star is like this sucks yeah uh and she clearly reached a point a few years back because she was in like every other movie for yeah. I mean, she was doing everything and then something happened she got the plastic surgery mm. and allegedly what's her, her eyes no no I mean oh, she, yeah. did. she did right. no she did I mean like that's not I'm not that it's not even a it's not even a oh she looks bad like she, she clearly got some plastic surgery and then she sort of disappeared for a while and I think she just had to go deal with yeah. what she wanted who she was what she was about right. and then she came back and She's doing this, and we're going to see where it goes. So I think she's going to get it. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any but question. What do you want? Is, is she who you would pick? You know, I don't have, I don't have the strongest opinion in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I would like her to win. I think it was a good performance. I think she, I mean, it's that playing Judy is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a tall order. I don't think she nailed it, but I do think she. Yeah, I think she's a. I think I think she will win, and I think she's who I want to win. What's the temperature of the gay community about her portrayal? Good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Good. Right. I, I think that people feel like there's a. And I can I, ask that. I don't I think that friend. she. I don't think that the general consensus seems to be she doesn't sing as well as Judy. Obviously. No. Obviously, not. but didn't in Chicago either. But props to her for doing yeah. it, and the acting behind it was really good, so that made it okay. It feels authentic as fuck. The yeah. Whole time you watch it. Exactly. Yeah. She's incredible in that way. Um, I think the other person people might look at would be Charlize. A lot of people felt like Charlize for Bombshell. That's who I would pick. Yeah. I think Zellweger's going to win, but I would have picked Charlize. Wow. Wow. Well, that's Definitely. your choice? Yeah. Okay. yeah I, mean, I can I respect re- that. I really liked Bombshell. I think the Me story too. was told better in the loudest voice on Showtime, but it mm-hmm. was a different story because it was it was about the rise and the fall. Right. Um, but Charlize Theron, and granted, she had some assistance from, from prosthetics. Sure. But her performance as uh, Megyn Kelly, I mean... It, to me, that's that's a Joaquin Phoenix like performance. I mean, mm. that's a transformative yep. performance. Where the first time we saw her in a trailer, 
it was like, oh my god, that actually yeah. looks like that looks like the real person right yeah. there. And that's that's the makeup. That, a lot of that is the makeup. But then when you actually hear her, hear the way she has that um, affectation, yeah, her voice. I mean, and she was she was outstanding. I thought she was too. Yeah, I really liked. It. And look, I, I interviewed uh, uh, Jay Roach for that. That'll be up later on this week for the Oscars coverage as well. So yeah, it, it, she's incredible, and she's the one that made this happen. She's yeah. executive executive producer in the room, and she picked Jay to be the director for the film. So, yeah, I, I would say that, too. A lot, I see some articles jumping up for Scarlett Johansson, and I'm like, no, 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 that's Driver's film. She's, Of course, she's a powerful force in the film, but I think she's better in JoJo or has more to do in JoJo than she does I think in that's true. Scar- I think, uh, Marriage Story. Her in JoJo, yeah. Yeah. she was perfection. Well, let's move on to that. Best Supporting Actress, that is Scarlett Johansson for JoJo, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, which I'm so happy about, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Now, odds are, I'll start here, a lot of people are saying odds are that, you know, Laura Dern's going to win, she's been winning all these other things, but I would, look, the Best Supporting Actress category always throws up some surprises. We've seen it in the past with the Marissa Tomei and other people jumping into this thing, and in my opinion, I... Wouldn't be surprised if Florence Pugh slides in and steals this freaking Oscar. For well, her that's funny that you say that. So, I would not, I wouldn't have thought that, but you are right. She deserves it. Oh yeah, Florence Pugh deserves She's it. Incredible. She took a character that is normally portrayed as, yeah, not the greatest. Yeah, and made her awesome and made sympathetic. Her sympathetic. Yeah, like so, she was amazing. Uh, I do think Laura Dern's going to get yeah. it, uh, and Scarlett Johansson would be awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. Scarlett Jones would be a nice upset as well. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be Laura Dern, but I would say Scarlett Johansson. Okay, continuing with the uh, JoJo Rabbit sweep. Yeah, I would not be mad if it was Scarlett or uh, Florence Pugh at all. I think they both deliver fantastic. One. But I do want to give a quick shout out to Kathy Bates. I think she's incredible in Richard Jewell, uh, and I'm glad she got nominated. That film was unfairly shunned by the by some of the critics. I thought were a bit too ultra liberal and uh, in this city, and I thought it was unfair what happened. And they were they were looking for a story because it's a it's a, a conservative filmmaker. They were a Republican filmmaker. They were looking for a reason to tear this thing apart, and they did. And it drove me nuts because this was a fantastic film about what can happen to anybody, regardless of political affiliation, if the FBI and the media descend on you and twist your words and tear your life upside down and and investigate every nook and cranny of your life. How many of us would survive that? And I think it's a chilling tale that needed to be told nowadays because of the power. So I just was surprised uh, that so many people turned against the film for some stupid portrayal of the 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 thing that Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde and Olivia Wilde came out and defended it and said you all are crazy Bond can sleep with whoever but I you know I sleep with one guy and it's an issue fuck off yeah. so anyway all right and Sam Rockwell fantastic in the yes movie as well. Sam Rockwell was great in the movie should have been well. nominated for. Best Supporting Actor, yeah. which is our next thing. That's Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Al Pacino in The Irishman. Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Shannon, you want to take this one? Yeah. Um, I think it's absolutely going to be um, uh, Brad Pitt. Okay. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed his performance. I thought mm. it was really good. I probably would have gone with Pacino. Wow. Yeah. I really? really liked his I really liked his Hoffa. I don't know what to They about. shot me in the head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a ton about Jimmy Hoffa. I've heard that Really? Well, I mean, I know the union. I mean, oh, right, I know right. that, but when people talk about like, eh, but you know, it, that wasn't really Hoffa. Like Hoffa didn't have to talk that much. Hoffa was a scary guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought the way <laughs> that Pacino played him, I'm like, this is so entertaining. That ain't my Hoffa. Are you, are you saying it's Hoffa, you're saying it's Hoffa purists? Not They're my Hoffa purists. Hashtag not my Hoffa. <laughs> 
<laughs> my offer. Uh, uh, what do you think, Mike? Uh, I do think Brad Pitt's going to win. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm okay with it because li- just based on that scene where he takes acid alone, I would. Oh my god! Right? I okay. would give that to him. I <laughs> Pitt was like. Oh, you think Lude's in Wolf of Wall Street is something? Let me show you something, Leonardo. And he does his own, <laughs> in his own move. Um, I also think that I, 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 he won't win for this, and I don't think he necessarily deserves some of this. But like Tom Hanks as mm. Mr. Rogers was just so like, I just bawled. I just bawled oh, really, the whole time. Like I just was crying. Which one like, made you cry more, the documentary or this one? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I did cry in both. Mm. I think I cried more in this one okay. um, just because it's a much more specific honed in story. Right, right, right. Like with the, with the Mr. Rogers documentary, you're sort of looking at his entire life and you're like, this guy was so beautiful and what he did was amazing. Whereas this kind of took all of that and distilled it into a very specific story yeah, yeah, yeah. where you saw how the person he was affected another specific person right. um that just really hit me hard like okay. it was really really good did you like that movie Mm-mm. you didn't like it you didn't movie? like it Mm-mm. wow no um, controversy no and, and a lot of it had to do with that middle section when uh the reporter the actor's name i'm blanking on right now oh yeah that guy yeah but when he kind of passes out and he has sort of like that fantasy where he's in like the puppet set and he mm. wakes up in, in the rogers living room and like that wouldn't no. You're saying that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> they're okay. not going to let me. I mean, Mr. Rogers, they'll trust with a lot. They're not going to trust with the you know the medical well being of someone who has lost consciousness. Come on. You don't know. I'm pretty sure. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know what Rogers would have done, <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Uh, all right, let's move on to something that's a specialty of Michael's best animated feature. Although I haven't seen it, uh, I, which I, I still keep meaning to. Yeah. Um, we have Klaus missing link. Toy Story 4, How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, and I Lost My Body. Yeah, I think Missing Link is going to win. Okay. Like, that's the Leica movie. Right? That's the Leica movie, which I still haven't seen. Um, I keep meaning to watch it, and then I went on a gay cruise, and then I got a flu, so this has been busy. But uh, I think that – because I think that um, – I've heard that I Lost My Body was good. Yeah. But, like, Klaus was actually a really lovely movie. Uh, but Toy Story 4 and How to Train Your Dragon, like, sequels are such a – it's tough. That's not likely for a sequel to win unless right. it's amazing, and neither of those sequels are amazing, amazing. Um, Were you mad that Frozen 2 wasn't nominated? So I have a lot of fran- fa- I have a lot of friends who know how much I love Frozen, so mm. they're going to be shocked to me say this, but like, no. Okay. I love Frozen 2 because I love those characters, and I love all the things that Disney animation was doing to sort of push certain story elements forward. Like to see a princess movie where the two princesses were just all action all the time that felt more like a Final Fantasy story Mm -hmm. than a typical... Like there was a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, But I don't think that as a whole, it's a very strong, tight story. I think it's a little bit all over the place. So I get why that wasn't nominated. And I'm not super mad about it. Um, and even if it were nominated, I would still probably think Missing Link was going to win. Okay. What do you think? I, I think it's going to be Klaus. Or Klaus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Missing Link, I think it, it was such a surprise at the Golden Globes when it did win. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like Netflix is going to... Yeah? Yeah, I think Netflix... Did you like it? 
It was fine. I mean, the animation was really pretty. Which one, Missing Link or Klaus? Klaus. I loved Klaus. Klaus. Yeah. I talked about it on Movie Talk um, before, you know, before they let me go at Collider, and I, and I had no idea it was actually going to be nominated. You know, sometimes in Movie Talk, you get a chance to, like, champion something, and you hope people go, like, go watch it. And I was championing Klaus, and then all of a sudden, it got nominated. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm so surprised. I thought it had no chance. Over Frozen 2, I thought it had no chance to be nominated. And the fact that it did get nominated, I was so happy for it because it's such unusual animation. It's animation we rarely see. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good story. I thought the voiceover work is fantastic as well. Overall. It was inter- it was interesting. I When the movie started, mm-hmm. I didn't love it. And then in the middle of the movie, I was like, no, this is actually okay. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, this is really, really sweet. <laughs> like, this is... Like I really it, like it, like I the the movie won me That's over as right. I was watching yeah. it. Like at the beginning, I was like, "What is this guy's dad is like a army mailman? Like what the fuck is this?" And then like as it got further into it, and I was like, "Oh, I see what they're doing." Okay, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is nice." And it actually was, and yes, and the animation is yeah just gorgeous. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Did you see? I lost my body. I haven't seen that one yet. I have no not seen that one. Yeah. No, it's on Netflix. I got to see that one too. Um, all right, any last ones that you guys want to talk about? No. Do you think John Williams wins the best score? He I might just because I can't pick one track out of that whole soundtrack. I just can't. The rise, the rise of Skywalker track itself is actually a really good one. Okay, I think it's gonna be Joker. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, too. yeah. right. Because he's won. John Williams has won before. Yes, he's once. been nominated a ton. Right. I, I think it's gonna be Joker. I think so too. I think she's fantastic. I think yeah. that, that score was incredible. I tried to listen to it at work and got angry and had to turn it off. <laughs> it's it's that influential of a score. You listen to it for thirty minutes, it'll make you want to kill things. Don't listen to it in traffic. Yeah, I, whoa, my god! Can you imagine <laughs> who's doing? Who's running listening to that? I'm going to kill everyone in the oh uh, All right, one last thing. Best documentary. I want to throw this out. There. Oh no, uh, no, no. I guess so. Best documentary: Edge of Democracy, Four Sama, Honeyland, American Factory, and The Cave. All fantastic documentaries. That's one thing that I really enjoyed about Deep Cut is I got to interview people for documentaries that I normally maybe wouldn't see. And it was a great eye-opening experience to see how many fantastic documentaries are out there. So as someone who hasn't seen any of those, which one do you think is going to win? I think American Factory wins or Honeyland. Okay. Yeah. Honeyland has – I didn't didn't think that was going to do anything. And then I watched it and I was like, this movie is incredible. It's about this woman keeping bees. Yeah. And what it what it what it attaches to in her life and how that mean how it goes about. And you're just like, oh my god, it's incredible. She's a beekeeper, but you're just rolling with everything that's uh, that's going there. Um, and, and that I, I really think Apollo Eleven should have been nominated though because that should have won. Agreed. That is an incredible doc. I mean, compiling eleven thousand hours of audio and thirty four thousand hours of video footage into an hour and a half documentary about the Apollo Eleven moon landing. Is incredible. Todd Douglas Miller was Miller was fantastic as a director in that. So just a shame it didn't get nominated. I saw American Factory and I thought it, it was very very good. Yes, it's very very good. They're on Netflix. I interviewed them. That's coming up later this week as well. Sweet. Um. All right. Well, there we go. That's our Oscars uh, coverage. Uh, we'll see what you. We'll see what happens. We'll definitely do a post Oscars. Yep. Uh, part of uh, the Geek Buddies next week uh, after the Oscars are over on Sunday. But uh, let us know what you thought of our predictions. Let us know who you think is going to win. Tag us on Facebook. I mean, sorry. Tag us on Twitter uh, and on Instagram if we. Put it up there, or uh, you know, tag it, or uh, leave a comment on the YouTube comments. Uh, Shannon, how could they down do that? there below? Yeah. yeah, down there below. Right down there. Right down there. <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's <laughs> at Geek underscore Buddies on Instagram at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK Tune. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca at the Roca says, and I will be on Brooklyn Nine Nine tonight at eight thirty on NBC. Watch that and tweet at him about it. Please, for God's sakes. Uh, and the nominees for Best Geek Buddies are <laughs> any of you who leave comments 
Boom. Or rate us or retweet us or tell your friends to listen to us. Uh, yeah, wherever you're listening to us or watching us, uh, leave comments, rate us, do all those things. Um, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, if you're on the sidewalk and somebody's talking about something geeky, uh, tell them to check out Geek Buddies. The more people that join in, uh, the more excited we all get. And then John tells us how many people are watching and viewing us and yeah. he gets really excited. I so do. that's good for us. Uh, so really, like, we are, this is all a selfish need for you to keep him excited. So so that he's nice to me and Shannon. Oh, stop it! <laughs> no, I'm loving this, and I'm great, and I'm so uh, thankful that we have finally been on camera, and got received so well. Because I know this is the little show that could, the little engine that could, and I think it's got a chance to blow up like crazy. So I love it. And I, I'm so happy. So many of you will have watched it already and enjoyed our shenanigans. Because I mean, we don't take it all seriously, but we do respect it, and I think that's important overall. That's what the Geek Buddies' basic mantra is. I think overall, yes. Would you say? Am I wrong on that? We overall, don't, we don't take it seriously, but we do respect it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching. Please remember to subscribe there. Uh, hit that red button. If you haven't done it already, we'd really appreciate it here on the Outlaw Nation channel. There will be so much more Geek Buddies content coming down the road as these movies start piling up. We're going to do separate reviews. We are doing. We did a Picard review, so if you haven't seen the first two episodes or you just saw the first two episodes, you want to hear our thoughts on it, that's also on the channel yep. as well. Look for that as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for uh, uh, listening to us here or watching us on the Geek Buddies. And we'll talk to you next time on... The Geek Buddies! Hey, it's Mae Whitman, and I play Frankie in the new Realm podcast, The Sisters. The Sisters is about a museum curator of medical oddities, who investigates the origins of a mutated skeleton with two layers of bones. Seven ribs are completely fused. And you have no idea where this came from? No. She was sent here anonymously. Uh Uh-uh. Not she. They, maybe? Wait. I've never seen anything like this. Soon, she uncovers an extraordinary mystery that connects her present with one family's tragic past in hauntingly dangerous ways. My grandfather was a journalist back in the 60s and 70s. He specialized in strange stories. Who are they? How are they connected to the skeleton? Play the tape. You'll see. Listen to The Sisters wherever you get your podcasts. We dream about it. We both dream about it. How often?